Hey, party people. It is May the 21st, 2022 here in Al Giza, Egypt, and the time is now 3.33 p.m. And we are in Mercury retrograde, and I am barely hanging on by thread. Last week and the week before were treacherous. (laughs) But luckily, I knew to hunker down and just kind of take everything day by day. And, you know, we are we own this thing until June the 2nd. So if y'all are still feeling this um, energy coming out of full moon and Scorpio, then congratulations. You 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 making it on through Um, today. I want to talk about uh, Anwar El-Sadat. I had a moment at the Alexandria Library and I recorded it. So I'm going to let you guys listen to the recording and then I'm going to come back out and actually kind of end it and tell you what I believe I now know about this man. All right, here we go. I am in the uh, bottom of the Alexandria Museum and I am in the Anwar El Sadat uh, exhibition. And I'm looking, standing right now in front of one of his house robes and one of his suits. And I don't know much about Anwar Sadat. Um, He died in 1981, and I was in middle school. But I remember his name being mentioned in the news. And this was a man of peace, you know. He, um, He said that on his tomb, he wanted written, died for peace. I mean, live for peace, die for principle. Um, He was the president of Egypt. Um, And he was a good man, apparently. Like, there's a whole tribute to him down here. I'm looking at his boots. I'm looking at medals of honor that this man obtained. I'm looking at his military uniform, his hats. And it's actually kind of striking, like it's moving me in a way. Um, because I know how men work, you know, we, it's just something really intense and, um, (laughs) cryptic how men work, but he was a loved man. Um, I'm looking at family photos, him with his grandchildren. And him on the cover of Time magazine where he was man of the year in 1978. I was probably, this is January of 78, so I was seven years old when he was man of the year. And I'm looking at his personal affairs, his razors, his cologne, his hairbrushes, his toothbrushes. He used the Gillette adjustable. (laughs) And they have recreated the library in his house where he his desk in Giza Um, and this is really amazing he had a holy bible right next to the holy Quran he studied uh, the Israelis Um, mm. so when we're being taught history we have to always consider what we're not learning more than what we are learning it's the it says this is a New York Times paper dated November 21st, 1977. Wow. 
Sadat offers Israel peace with justice, but calls for return of occupied lands. Begin, hails his courage, asks wider talks. So that was on my birthday. That paper came out. Ooh, stuff like that makes me, it makes my uh, hairs on my arms stand up because y'all have no idea like a few minutes ago i was like i know i'm supposed to be looking at stuff and i couldn't find the this like i was like what have i paid for um but y'all should see some of this stuff his navy uniforms he was a naval man and his collier de l'ordre tunisien de l'independence my foreign language is getting good <laughs> But it's his, um, it's a necklace that he got for his work um, from the Tunisian Order of Independence. And it's gorgeous. It's this huge necklace, gold, with red and burgundy. I would take pictures, but I'm out. I've been taking pictures all day. So Anwar Sadat, uh, if you are about peace, this is a man who I think you should study because he was murdered. He was murdered. Anwar Sadat of Egypt died from the bullets of assassins soon after this picture was taken of him, smiling at a military parade in Cairo. The parade was to mark his greatest triumph, the success of his army in the 1973 war against Israel. So one of the things that I'm learning about Israel and Egypt, they don't get along. There's a history. Y'all know what? They have the suit that he was shot in, and it is still bloodstained. I'm literally looking at it. Let me see if I can get a picture of this. Okay, so that was basically the end of my recording there because I had to, like, go in and delete some pictures to get a picture of that suit. Um, but, yeah, Anwar El-Sadat. So another thing that I discovered about him is that he was Nubian. He was considered Nubian. And by all accounts, what I'm learning about Nubian is that that means he was dark-skinned. He was brown-skinned. He was considered a black man. Okay, by American standards, he was considered a black man. So, (laughs) it just keeps getting more interesting, y'all. Like, as, you know, the United States fights not becoming a brown territory. I'm learning about a a brown man who won a 1978 Nobel Peace Prize for creating a temporary peace between Egypt and Israel and then was shot by people who were like, we don't want peace. We don't want peace, which is very uh, similar to what nationalism is. You know what I mean? Like, how, how do we take this Egyptian history and look at our own look at ourselves in the mirror as Americans because brown people we <laughs> I have never I never thought I would be born into a world you know unlike my ancestors who you know were free and then got kidnapped like we like it's our story is so amazing and what's treacherous about the amazement is the the control over which other people believe themselves to have over us so when i think about anwar el sadat now i think about this black man who like martin luther king jr 
tried to say, hey, can't we all just get along? It's possible. I'm not really asking y'all, can we get along? I'm telling you, it's absolutely possible. But what you got to do is get your hand out of our back pocket. You got to get your hands out of our pockets. And seeing people go, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm proud to know about Anwar El Sadat, and I think you should too. I think it would behoove black people um, who believe in their presence in Africa, their their whole presence in Africa, because I'm also learning that places like Punt, um, that a lot of I, I I'm still learning, y'all. So you know, forgive me. But I'm I'm beginning to believe that the magic was in the blackness. That the darker the skin, the more magical the place. Right? So like when I learned about Punt and learned that Hatshepsut had, in order to keep her half-brother from becoming Pharaoh, she did a trade trip. She sent... Uh, sentiment over to uh, Punt, which is a land somewhere around Ethiopia and um, the Sudan, if I'm not mistaken. And Egypt spent a lot of time in, in, in the pre-colonial era fighting back and forth with Nubia. And when you see the Nubians in the hieroglyphs, in the, in, the, in the artwork on the walls, they're dark-skinned people. So there's a sense of, like now, like, like now I feel really dark. I don't feel black. Like I feel really dark. Like. I came here thinking that I wasn't that dark. I used to say that all the time. I'm not the. I'm not even that brown, but I am. And Anwar Sadat was brown. He wasn't brown like me, but he was. He was brown like my grandfather. He was the same color as my grandfather. Now, some pictures. I'm really. I'm realizing now. People want you know that the lightning of the globe. Like, why is it that nobody wants to be dark skinned? What is it about dark skin? Is it that we were so traumatized by slavery? But I can, I'm like, no, it, 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 it has to be deeper than that. Because in pre-colonial Egypt, they were playing colorism. Colorism was an issue. So what is it? So when we say black girl magic, I'm, I have to be led to believe that there's something, you know, magical about melanin. There's something mystical about melanin. There's something very, very, very mm, cosmically charged about being able to open your third eye and being dark skinned. Now, am I saying that light skinned people can't open their third eye? No, I am not. No, I am not. And I am not saying that everybody doesn't have access to that third eye, but I do believe. I, let me just say it. I believe the dark of the berry, the sweet of the juice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, the whole idea that people would make an issue about Anwar Sadat being Nubian. That's like asking, is he black? 
You know what I mean? Like, if we're in America and somebody says, um, if we're talking about, uh, let me see, hmm, who would we, oh, Colin Kaepernick. Okay? So, everybody's talking about Colin Kaepernick, and then somebody goes, is he black? Was he black? Is he black? Looking at him and going, well, is he black? And somebody says, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter for some reason, and why does it matter? What in your DNA makes you ask, is, are they black? What makes you ask, are they Nubian? Were they Nubian? And why is that important? Why do we need to know about Nubia? Because a lot of that history is gone. And thanks, thank God for Hatshepsut. Because without her, we wouldn't even really know about Punt. It was her markings on her temple walls that that uh let people know that punt even existed because by the time she had written that by the time she had had it etched into the walls most of their history had been gone so all of this modern day stuff that we're talking about we, we you know when we say ethiopia you're talking about modern day even though you're talking about centuries and centuries ago if the original name the original name is not ethiopia the original name is not the sudan the original name is not the congo so we have got to do some digging and I say let's dig if they digging us up then we need to dig us up too we need to just say and and I really hate the fact that a lot of people are so dulled down like that their pineal is so calcified that they just don't even they people get overwhelmed you know and I get it it is overwhelming but shit freedom (laughs) freedom is work liberation is work and you got to liberate yourself as much as possible. I woke up today to find out that Greg Abbott, old handicap ass, uh, is now trying to get rid of free public education. As if it was free in the first place. Not. But now he's trying to basically say, you know, no, you cannot be educated. No, if you can't pay for it, you can't be educated. And that's primarily because Texas is uh, is brown. Texas ain't blue and it's not red. It's brown. But it has it's such a large landmass full of these small little country backwoods sundown towns that white people still control the government of Texas. But Texas ain't been white in decades. And it's not even black. Is Native American, Indian, Mexican, brown. So, I don't know. I don't know, y'all. Like, I, I'm, I'm here in Egypt, and I'm just trying to give y'all information because I am not a, I, I am in no way a scholar on this. Like, none whatsoever. I don't have no interest in digging sometimes any further. Like, because I'm just trying to be in Egypt. I'm just trying to, like, realize that I am in Egypt that I <laughs> and that I have signed up to spend a year here and that I have my good days and I have my bad days and that I sometimes can't believe that I signed up to do this and other days I'm elated to be around what I consider my people but then I have other days where I'm like I don't fit in here and I want to be where I fit in, but I'm realizing, Kamika, you are a black American. You are an African-American. So finding that space is going to have to do with you creating that space. And you have to create that space wherever you go. 
And I'm saying that to black America. There's a lot of people moving out of the United States. And I am here to tell you, there really ain't nowhere you can go. Because if you've been Americanized for too long, you're going to get somewhere else. And you're going to have to make it do what it do. But after a while, you're going to realize home is where I am, period. And you might even get an inkling to come back to the United States to help, help fight. Help fight the battle. But it's going to take some real courage to get these nationalists up out of here. It's going to take real courage. Otherwise, we're just going to mimic all the other histories where countries were ambushed because of how brown they were. America is very much so susceptible right now to being ambushed for whatever it has to offer. And right now, it's embryos, right? They're, America is saying, hey, we're number one in embryo. We can get you some embryos. How, what, what kind of embryos you want? You want some uneducated embryos? Here you go. And I think it was Albert Einstein who said, um, I can't even remember, y'all. Uh... Albert Einstein says something to the effect of, I should have wrote it down. I hate that about me. But yeah, anyway, let me go back. Um, Anwar El-Sadat, he lived for peace and he died for principle. And most of us are going to do that. We're going to live for peace and die for principle. And it's nothing we can do about it if we don't do something about it. If we don't become vigilant, if we don't start striking back, and I'm not, I'm not, I am not in any way invoking violence. I am not doing that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But we can't keep walking around here like sheep, just ready for the slaughter. That's not our. That is not our destiny. That's not our destiny. Um, our destiny is to prove that we can exist without the hatred of men. Who believe themselves to be superior. And without the hatred of women. Who believe themselves to be superior. We can, and we can do it. Because it's not that many of them. At least not in the United States now. Start getting into this Great Britain. And all of this other stuff. I don't know. And even then I don't, I don't think so. And I thank God for the weather. I thank God for global, global warming. Because it, it definitely is, is consistent with my DNA. <laughs> so um I am just telling you to look into An War Sadat and understand that Israel is aligned with the United States. Over here in Egypt Israel is not aligned with Palestine. Israel is not aligned with the Sudan. Israel is not aligned with Ethiopia. Okay? So, a lot of people come over here to go to Israel because that's the Holy Land. And in fact, it is the Holy Land. But it is aligned. It is aligned right now politically Israel is aligned with um, 
I'm not going to say nationalism because I think nationalism is its own little beast, but it's definitely aligned with with whiteness. When it when when we break it down and start talking about ethnic principles and ethnic establishments in government. Israel is not is it's not pro Nubia. okay? And I don't know what that means in the grander scheme of things. I know, you know, Palestine needed to be freed, needs to be freed because they're still killing over there. And I don't understand why people don't understand that we absolutely can live without the raping, without the kidnapping, without the stealing, without the oppression. But we gotta, you gotta remove the oppressors. You gotta remove the people who believe that they can't exist like that. So we have uh, a lot of road to cover. We are on our way to a new form of government. It is happening because uh, the American government as we know it is being pillaged, kidnapped. And I'm excited to come home to just, you know, fight the good fight, you know, do what I can while I can and and not feel like I can't. So here's to the browning of America. Be good, be good, be good, be God. Peace.